Oh man, thanks. Julie, morning folks. I was uh, asked Jimmy earlier and I was very disappointed to hear that over in the old school rooms uh, you didn't sing the wise man built his house upon the rock uh, with all the attendant actions. So I thought we'd start by uh, correcting that this morning. Uh, no, we won't. Uh, this, um, oh, sorry about that. You can sing it over in coffee if you like. Um, I'm sure Colin will, Colin will lead you in that with, Car- with Karen's help. Uh, but it's one of the most uh, famous bits of the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? There's a, a number of songs uh, written about uh, building a house on the sand or on the rock. And uh, we come to the end of the, probably the most famous sermon ever preached. And we're, giving a ch- we're given a challenge today about living with the future in mind. Uh, Jesus tells us how we can build for ourselves a secure future. And I wonder if you think about the future when you do think about it. I wonder if you do think about it much. And if you do, what you think the future holds for you. What your hopes are. What your hopes are for yourself, for your family, for your career, for your, maybe your retirement, if you're thinking ahead that far. Or maybe you've already arrived there. Or what you think your hopes are for your church. Or to put it another way, what would make your life, when you get to the end of your life, what would make your life a life well lived? And to focus, to help us focus on what's important, I've often heard the question asked, uh, what would you like people to say about you at your funeral? Or to put it another way, what would you like written on your gravestone? What would your epitaph be? Because they can often say a lot about people, can't they? And I came across one recently, an epitaph of Harry Smith of Albany in New York, and it simply said this on his gravestone. He looked up the elevator shaft to see if it was on the way down. It was. (laughs) Today's story, Jesus uh, speaks about two men who live very similar lives. Could be two women. He happened to speak about two men who live very, very similar lives, at least on the outside. They're both building something for the future. They're both building a house in this context, something significant, something that is meant to last, something they're building to last. Jesus is saying this is how they're building their lives. He's using it as an illustration for them building their lives. And on the outside, there are perfectly normal houses. Nothing suggests they're different from each other in the slightest. And nothing suggests they're different from the standard houses of the day either. So Jesus is saying these are not out of the ordinary people. They probably wouldn't stand out in a crowd. And we're meant to see them as just like us. These people are just like you and me, doing the kind of things that we would do going to work, having a family, renting or buying a house, being involved in the local community, watching TV, going to the pub, with all the kind of bundles of, of hopes and dreams that we have as well. So these guys are similar in the, insofar as they're living and they're building very, very normal lives, at least uh, from the outside. But there's another similarity that Jesus draws our attention to in the story as well. And that is that for both of them, for both of these men, uh, for all of us, normal life, the -the run-of-the-mill, day-to-day life, isn't always easy, is it? If you look at verses 25 and 27, we see 
the problems, the challenges, the anxieties, disappointments and sorrows that all come our way. The the winds and the rains, as Jesus calls them here. Uh, Very, very apt in light of the weather we've been having in the last uh, week or so. And the Bible's so realistic, isn't it, about what life is like sometimes for us, what life is going to be like. It doesn't hide all the difficult parts. It's not that sense. Jesus doesn't say, come to me and all your problems will disappear. There's a reality here, isn't there, a gritty reality about what life is like for those who do follow Jesus and for those who don't follow Jesus. There's joy one day, followed by crushing sorrow the next There's troubles and persecutions that come at us from the outside. And then there's all the worry and anxiety that comes from the inside. Shakespeare, when he wrote Hamlet uh, 500 or so years ago, not sure exactly when, but around about then, wasn't it? Um, Hamlet, in his famous soliloquy, talks about the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. And Jesus got there first. And he talks about the winds and the rains that come and batter our lives. The difficulties that we don't know when they're going to come. We don't know what's going to be round the next corner. And the tests of these troubles and persecutions and winds and rains will be... Uh, these will be the tests of how well we've built our lives. How solid our foundations will be. How secure our future is in this life. But also in the life to come. And our lives are tested, aren't they, far more in these times of trouble than they are in times of ease and times of joy. And it's then that we can see the cracks start to appear. It's then that we can see what kind of foundations we've built our lives on, how shaky or otherwise they might be. So we've got two men building very similar houses on the outside in a very similar context of life. But the key difference is in the foundations that they use or the foundations upon which they build their lives. So how can we today build a secure future for ourselves? Just as in the narrow gate and the wide gate that Sai preached on a couple of weeks ago, and the good uh, trees and the bad trees that uh, Jimmy didn't preach on last week at the 10.30 because we sprung the Christmas cards on you, so you'll have to go and look it up yourselves. Or or listen to the nine o'clock sermon that Jimmy preached on that. But just as in the wide and narrow gates, the good trees and the bad trees, here, Jesus is very stark. Either you're you're wise or you're foolish. There's no kind of quite wise, a little bit foolish in the middle. You're either wise or you're foolish. There is no third option for Jesus coming in to land on the Sermon on the Mount. You're wise or you're foolish. Either you hear Jesus' words and put them into practice, or you don't. There is no middle ground here. And this is one of those incredibly difficult passages of Scripture Not because it's hard to understand, because it's so easy to understand. It's so stark. It's so simple. It's so clear, isn't it? There's no way to wriggle out of it. There's nothing in here of the so-called tolerance of the world regarding religion. There's nothing of the sense of God is at the top of the mountain and you just need to find the right path for you to make it up to the mountain to meet with God. There's no sense here that uh, you're encouraged to take this little bit of Christianity because that chimes with the 21st century. It's relevant. It works for me. But actually that bit, is it a bit outdated? It's a little bit embarrassing. I don't think I'll take that today. 
There's nothing of the sense that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you really believe it, as long as you're sincere. For all of this, Jesus says, it's foolish. All of that way of thinking about life and foundations in the future is utterly foolish. And here, foolish carries a much, much stronger weight than we give it today. Perhaps more like saying, if you build your house on the sand, then you're an idiot. That's how it would have come across when Jesus preached it 2,000 years ago. Or if you're talking to a youth group, you're a bunch of muppets. It's kind of that sense. It's not just, you fool, it's very light for us today, isn't it? You are an idiot if you don't put Jesus' words into practice. Jesus is saying, if you don't do it, you're a fool, you're an idiot. So how are we doing in terms of listening and doing? Now, we may all be in quite different places. Some of us may be thinking, yeah, do you know, I'm interested in Jesus. I like to hear about him. And I know that one day I will get serious about my faith when that time comes. I know I plan to get serious about my faith sometime in the future. I know I definitely will. I definitely will. Others of you might be saying, well, I've been on an Alpha course. Then if you haven't, we've got one coming up in January. Uh, you might be saying, I've been on an Alpha course and I had some great conversations. It's brilliant, fantastic food, uh, really good input and great time of conversation. And I've really grown in my knowledge of Jesus and the Bible. Others might say, you know, I just love listening to sermons. That's all of you guys. Just love listening to sermons. Some of you might say, yeah, I love studying the Bible. I'll read it for hours on end. Or even I love the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of my favorite bits. The poetry of the Beatitudes uh, really speak to me. Some others might say, you know, I love the word of God. I've even got it on fridge magnets and posters with cute little kittens on my wall. And most of these things are good things in themselves about listening and hearing the word of God. But in this passage, Jesus pulls no punches. He gives a stark warning to us. He says, if you hear my words, and if you do not, then put them into practice. You're building your house on the sand. You're building your house on unstable, shifting, and untested foundations. And you know what? Your house, your life will eventually come crashing down. It will fall flat, either now, when trouble or persecution comes, or sometime in the future, or at the end of all things. Your future is not secure if you're not building it on the rock of Jesus Christ, on hearing his words, and then putting them into practice. And there may be even something for you now, as as I'm speaking, where you think, I know kind of that thing that you're talking about, the thing that I struggle with, or the number of things I struggle with in Scripture where I kind of know that I should be putting them into practice, but they're hard. They're uncomfortable. It takes me beyond my comfort zone. In the early 1990s, there was, on the M4, there was one of the worst car accidents that we've seen in Britain. And 10 people died, 25 people were injured. It was all over the news. The nation was in shock. But in the midst of all of this, there was one man who was hailed as a hero. And he was called Alan Bateman. And what he did was he was involved in the crash, but he climbed out of his damaged car and then ran along the central reservation the other way, waving his arms in the air to warn the motorists that were hurtling towards the wreckage that they should slow down, that they should stop. Some beeped their horns at him, others gesticulated in other ways at him, 
And some of them didn't slow down. Some of them just headed straight on towards the wreckage, unaware of what was up ahead. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is doing here is he's warning each one of us of the coming danger. He's saying, look out, this is what is up ahead. But he's doing it so that we can avoid our lives coming crashing down all around us. He wants us to avoid being the fool that builds on sand, the one who listens, who loves to listen, who can have erudite conversations about Greek and Hebrew but doesn't put this stuff into practice. Jesus says they're a fool, they're an idiot. It's worthless. They're not aware of the coming danger. And what Jesus does here is he shows us a better way. He shows us the way of the wise man who built his house on the rock. He shows us how to build a strong, a secure, and a tested foundation by hearing the words of Jesus and then putting them into practice. It's a call to listen well, to listen attentively to what Jesus is saying to us and then to obey, then to live well. It's a call to go deep into the scriptures and then to put into practice what we read, what Jesus is talking to us about. And we do this, the the call to obedience, by living out what we see in the scriptures, by living out what we've been learning since July in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. It's by living lives that bless other people, by living in right relationship with God and with each other, by being salt and light to a a world that's dark and decaying. It's by seeking reconciliation instead of always wanting revenge and always wanting our own way. It's by being faithful in relationships, by not being slaves to sexual desires. It's by going the extra mile. It's by loving our enemies And that was all, I think, before September in chapter 5. And then chapter 6, it's about living secret lives of prayer and fasting and giving. By storing our treasures in heaven, not on earth. It's by showing that our lives are not dominated by money. It's by seeking the kingdom of God first, above all. By trusting in God's provision for all of our needs. That's chapter 6. And then chapter 7, it's about being non-judgmental. It's about seeking God with all of our being. It's by about entering through that narrow gate. And it's by building our lives upon the rock of Jesus. Now elsewhere in the Gospels, there's a story of Jesus when his mother and his brothers come to him. He was told, he was inside uh, speaking to some folk, he was told that his mother and his brothers were outside waiting for him. And his response to that was, He pointed to his disciples and therefore points to us. And he says that those who hear my words and put them into practice, they will be my brother, my sister, my mother. Those of us who hear the words of Jesus and then put them into practice. Because if our theology and our learning has no effect on how we live, we're simply building on sand. Foundations that cannot support us. And when the winds and the rains and the persecution and the trouble come, as they surely will, our lives will simply fall flat. But if we build our our house on the rock of obedience to Jesus, then when all of these things come, which they surely will, our lives will not come crashing down around our ears. We will be able to stand 
We're called to a faith and to an obedience. We're called to believe and to obey. And this call in the Sermon on the Mount is to a way of life that doesn't just bless us as we build our lives on the rock, but blesses all of those around us and shows the world that Jesus lives and shows the world that Jesus makes a difference in our lives. But there is something more to it. Because all of this is true for the Sermon on the Mount, but at its heart, it's a call not just to obey Jesus, his teachings, and what he tells us to do, but it's a call to follow Jesus. It's a call to the person of Jesus. Because without Jesus, we can do none of this. Without Jesus, all we're trying to do is put this teaching into practice and to please God in our own strength. Without Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount is an empty shell of religion. It's like the outside of a house that has been gutted on the inside. We pray, we fast, we give alms, we pretend, we forgive. We steer clear of sexual impurity. We do everything we can to be seen to be going the extra mile. But all of that, without Jesus, all that does is make our hearts proud. Because we're thinking we're doing well. Because we're doing it without Jesus. So at the heart of this sermon is that call to follow Jesus, to trust him with all we've got, to enter through the narrow gate. The gate that leads to life. To accept Jesus' offer of forgiveness of sins when he died on the cross to save each one of us. And then he rose again to new life and offers that to each one of us who will follow him and will believe in him. It's a call not just to put these things into practice, but to follow the one who taught them, the one who gave himself for each one of us. It's a call to build our lives on the solid rock of the Son of God himself, on his life, on his teaching, on his death, on his resurrection. And we sang another great song this morning in the nine o'clock, It Wasn't the Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. Uh, but it was, um, it was called My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And uh, the first verse and chorus goes like this. My hope is built on nothing less, less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but holy trust in Jesus' name. Do you know the chorus? Anyone know the chorus? No, no, one's, yeah, no one's admitting it because they think I'm going to ask you to sing it. So it's on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, everything else is sinking sand. And that means those of us who don't hear the words of Jesus and heed them, and that, that means those of us who do hear Jesus' words but then choose not to build our lives on them. On Christ the solid rock I stand. There's no other place to stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And so the Sermon on the Mount is about many things. It's about how to live that life of blessing in the kingdom of God. It's about how to live lives that bless the heart of God. It's about living so those who don't know Jesus realise that the gospel is true. It's about build how to build that secure future. As Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. But above all, at its heart, it's a call to seek Jesus, 
himself, to love him, to trust him, to obey him. And a chap called Samuel Rutherford, who uh, was alive in the 17th century, wrote many letters, and there's a massive fat volume of his letters. I've got the tiny little thin uh, volume there. They uh, do all the work for you and take the juicy bits out. But uh, he wrote so much of Jesus and seeking Jesus. In one of his letters, he said this. He said, I beseech you in the Lord Jesus, make every day more and more of Christ. Let him have all and wait for him, for he will come and will not delay. So I want to leave us with a question this morning about how are you building your life? How are you doing in terms of building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ? Maybe you've been on the sidelines for a while, you've been watching, you've been discussing, you've gone to Alpha, you've enjoyed talking about Jesus in the pub with your friends, but you haven't yet trusted your life to him. You haven't yet taken the decision to build your life on the rock. Then today God is calling you to dive in, to taste and see that God is good, as it says in Scripture, to come to Jesus today in faith and to build your life and your secure future on him. So you've been watching and talking. Maybe you've been hearing, but not doing. So maybe you have prayed the prayer, you've committed your life to Jesus. You have faith, but no obedience. And you take little time to hear Jesus. There's no real passion for scripture. There's no real focus on the Bible. You struggle in your Bible reading uh, to get into any kind of a pattern, then I was going to suggest to make it a New Year's resolution to get more stuck into Scripture, but hey, why don't you start now? And uh, don't wait till uh, New Year's resolutions that uh, so often fail. We've got, there's so much material. There's not a, a, a lack of material to help us get into Scripture. And if, if you struggle with reading the Bible and it being relevant to you, um, then talk to your life group leaders. If you don't have life group leaders, then uh, we'd love you to join a life group. But there are other bits and bobs. This is a, a reading challenge that goes through the whole of Scripture in 100 stories. 50 from Old Testament, 50 from New. goes across uh, through the whole of Scripture. Um, but if that's something that you struggle to hear the word because you don't uh, open Scripture, then I'm happy to talk to you afterwards and we can work out ways of getting into that. But maybe you do hear, but you, you just don't put it into practice. And God is calling you this morning again to come to Jesus and ask for that grace to listen and to obey. Because Jesus says if you don't put what he says into practice, your life will come crashing down around you. And then finally, that sense, maybe you're striving for obedience. You've believed, you're obeying, but your Christian life has just lost its joy. It's become dull, it's become dutiful, it's become tiresome. And I'd say come to Jesus again in faith. Ask the Holy Spirit to pour the love of Jesus into your hearts, to rekindle that passion for him, to make every day more and more of Christ, to let him have all and to wait for him, for he will come and will not delay. Why don't we pray? And why don't we stand as we pray?